from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. As I'm doing it, it's my um, index finger and middle finger on my thumb, and um, my little finger and ring finger are a little bit higher. If we're doing pure rhythm, this just ornaments the dance. Again, I can't show this on the radio, but I will describe it as I shake my neck like this again and look with my eyes. You know, we have different expressions just like that. So it's said that that the roots of some of the other dance forms, like flamenco, had their roots, their beginnings in classical Indian dance. I'm Jeremy Goodwin. Dances of India St. Louis will celebrate its 45th anniversary this weekend with three performances starting Friday. The centerpiece of the show is an original dance with narration. It's called River Goddess, Tales of Love and Other Shenanigans Along the River Ganges. And in a first for St. Louis, dancers will interpret opera through the classical Indian dance medium. And local dance troupe Afriki Lolo will perform West African dance. So joining me in studio to talk about all this is Nartana Premanchandra, the president of Dances of India St. Louis, and Tekla Mehta, co-director of the troupe and choreographer of the program. Nartana and Tekla, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jeremy. We're delighted to be here. Thanks for having us. There's and te- nothing more we like than to talk about our program. Oh, good. <laughs> well, doing the dance, is that number one, and then talking about it is number two? Is that? Probably. Yeah, okay. yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll just do one of those. We'll do the one that people at home can hear right uh-huh. now, and let's talk about it. Tekla, you... you Choreographer, the two of you conceived of, of some of these pieces together, but you also designed the costumes and the sets, right? That's a lot. Yes, yeah, it is a lot. We start about a year ahead of time. A year? It takes it, you a year to put something mm-hmm, together. Yeah. Nartan writes the scripts, writes the shows. Uh, then I go about looking at them and thinking how we can translate that into a dance program. Once we do that, we find the music. Once we find the music, then we begin. Then I have a pretty good idea of what I want the show to look like. And I start on the costumes and the backdrops. And then long about July, we begin to work with the dancers. Hmm. Well, for folks who maybe have seen some ballet in their day or modern dance, hip-hop, jazz dance, but but haven't necessarily seen too much classical Indian dance, what makes the style distinct? What, What does it look like? So it's very, very rhythmic. There's a lot of very complex footwork. But there is also um, dozens and dozens of intricate hand movements and expressions, eye expressions and facial expressions. And I think what distinguishes classical Indian dance um, from many other styles of dance in the world is its depth of storytelling. Mm. Um, We use the hands and the eyes to tell all kinds of stories from ancient legends to even contemporary tales. How, through movement? How does that work? Yeah, yeah. So, for, you know, unfortunately, I can't show this on radio, mm-hmm. but um, I am doing a movement right now with my hands, which um, is, as I'm doing it, it's my um, index finger and middle finger on my thumb, and um, my little finger and ring finger are a little bit higher. So this, if we're doing pure rhythm, this just ornaments the dance, the movement, and may not have meaning, but... You can use it in stories, for example, to pick a flower, to put earrings on. So 
to put a necklace on. So we have dozens of movements like that. For example, um, if I put my hands together and hook my thumbs, this is a bird flying. Mm. Um, a king, if you put your ring finger down and put it on your head, this is the crown of a king. So this is how we interpret stories. So it sounds like the more knowledge someone has about this art form, the richer this performance becomes. Oh, absolutely. And that's why we strive really hard to tell these tales um, to a contemporary general audience. I mean, many Indians don't necessarily know the tales or will not understand the dance. I mean, we have to explain it. So the production we write um, on the Ganges, the myths behind um, the goddess of the Ganges, um, really uh, explains the stories. It's entirely narrated so everyone can understand it. And this production this year especially is very humorous. We wanted to have fun for our 45th annual performance. I can't even believe it as I say it, 45 years. So, Yeah, that's yeah. a distinctive feature of the work you two do together, the, the addition of that narration. So mm-hmm. To get a taste of this, why don't we listen to a little bit of the piece about the Ganges River? Okay. I am Ganga, goddess of the Ganges. You all think water came to the earth on comets, asteroids, or you think the rocks here were already rich in water. Maybe that's okay for pools and puddles, but not for rivers. We are gentle, lyrical, dynamic. Tekla, what, what are some uh, some of the stories about the Ganges that you get into here? <laughs> well, the, the, the myth talks about how Ganga, the Ganges River, uh, resides in the hair of Shiva, one of the, the gods. This is a story of how she ended up in his hair and how she was expelled from heaven for laughing at a sage. So... Uh, this part that you just heard is the beginning of her uh, explaining herself to the audience. And what's so interesting about um, the piece you heard is not only are the dancers moving around the stage rhythmically with bells, usually bells on their ankles, that depicts the rhythm of that music, but they're also doing what Nartan said, using their hands to tell that story and their eyes to tell what's in their heart, their expressions. So uh, it's, it's uh, rhythmically and visually incredibly full. It's a very full experience. And the, the percussion is such a big piece of this music. Uh, does that dictate uh, how the actor moves? Excuse me, how the dancer moves? Oh, yes, absolutely. It can dictate um, the footwork. It can dictate the body gestures. It can dictate, um, for example, again, I can't show this on the radio, but I will describe it as I shake my neck like this again and look with my eyes. You know, we have different expressions just like that. Or we can show all kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Looking from side to side, just a, a change in your facial expression. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we can um, do that to percussion. Sometimes the percussion, we don't necessarily have to do anything. We can be still and, um, yeah, you know, just show something else. We don't have to be moving all the time. Yeah. 
So, so it's said that that the roots of some of the other dance forms, like flamenco and maybe even uh, tap, Western tap, had their roots, their beginnings in Indian dance, in classical Indian dance, mm-hmm. with just the rhythms that we've been talking about. We'll talk yeah, talking more about those Ganges River myths uh, sure. and stories. Uh, you like to put. It sounds like you're approaching this with a with a sense of humor, not a, a very buttoned up, reverent kind of look at it. Yeah, so there is definitely reverence in the production. Respect, for sure. Respect, yeah, 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 for sure. But the tale that's best known about the Ganges is that, so the Ganges is said to reside in heaven. So how does she come down to earth? It has to do with um, the tale of a king whose sons are very arrogant. They disturb the penance of a sage and he burns them to death. So the king is so distraught um, he wants to redeem his sons. And so that's the story of how his descendants eventually helped to bring the Ganges down to earth. But that's a, quite a serious tale. And so we really wanted to have fun. And the beauty of Indian myth is that there are I mean, thousands of different myths. So there are some lovely, very humorous myths, too, as to why the Ganges comes down. And, and these all, um, our production also emphasizes, and this is what makes it a lot of fun, Okay, it gets a little complicated. Shiva is the deity of the universe. He's also the great dancer. He is married to Parvati, who's the goddess of the earth. Okay, so when Ganga comes down from heaven, she's very vain and tempestuous. And she said, you know, I just want to, you know, I'm going to just knock the earth out of its orbit. So Shiva says, and Shiva knows this. So he stands underneath her. So she lands in his wild locks of hair. But Parvati, the wife, now she gets jealous because Ganga is near her husband all the time. So just like the Greek gods are made human Mm. by these stories of jealousy and rivalry, you know, we bring some of that into the show in a very humorous way. Maybe Um, it's encouraging to see that the gods have petty squabbles too. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) right. So it makes them very, very human. Mm -hmm. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back to St. Louis on the Air. I am Jeremy Goodwin, and I am here to discuss this weekend's performances by Dances of India St. Louis, or Natana Premanchandra, and who, the president of, of the organization, and Tekla Mata, Mata, excuse me, co-director of the troupe. Um, Tekla, how'd you get in the picture here? <laughs> That's a fun story. <laughs> well, I, uh, about 1970, I think, I went to a performance with my future husband of Indian dance, saw it, fell in love with it. My background was in ballet. And when I saw how technically proficient those dancers were, how strong they were, plus here they were wrapping themselves in silk and jewels and dancing the stories of gods and goddesses. I mean, what could be more compelling? So (laughs) as we went through time and had our own children, um, they danced. Um, I stayed with Dances of India for all these many years and just gradually fell into the the position that I'm in now. And you mentioned your children. Dances of India has been kind of a family business for you, hasn't it, Nartana? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My parents started it in the 1970s. So um, at that time, there was 
very little knowledge of India. I mean, almost none. And so my dad Around, named in the, St. Louis. Yeah, uh-huh, in St. Louis. Yeah, I was born here in St. Louis, and um, and when my dad named the company, he just named it simply Dances of India, so people would know that it's it's not Native American dancing, and it turns out that it's a great um, SEO term. It's easy to to search, you know, and and then and then find us. Um, and so my mom is artistic director, and uh, so. My dad passed away a few years ago, so after he passed away, I took over administering the company, and I also dance and write our productions. Um, my mom's been teaching for over 40 years. Yeah, Asha Prem is her name. And I, it sounds like you, I don't know how much choice you had in your in your career choice. Right? What, what does your name mean? Oh, my name, Nartana, it means dance, actually. <laughs> but believe me, when I was in high school, I never, in my wildest dreams, imagined I'd be running the company. That really? was not on my That was not on my scene at all, on my radar at all. When when did you when did that arc bend you toward getting so involved in it and, and like you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I'm a writer also, and I have danced all my life. And then I was away for a while, um, studying abroad and working abroad. Then I came back, and then you know, and this company just um, my dad you know kept putting on these shows. My mom kept dancing, so I kept dancing. And then one year, fifteen years ago. I was listening to um, the classic music station, and I, I heard Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. And I mentioned it to Tekla that I love it so much. Why not do a Rhapsody for the Blue Gods? Like in Hinduism, mm. there are gods who have the blue-tinted um, skin. So she loved the idea. So we did. We I wrote a story about Rama and Krishna and um, put it to Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue and an American in Paris, which sounds wild, but it actually it worked really well. And people enjoyed it. And that was the beginning of creating our productions together. So for like 15 years, we've been creating original productions every year based on Hindu myths. But sometimes, like five years ago, we did um, a, a production called Devi of the Ashes, which is Cinderella in India. So the Cinderella story set in India. So we love you know, experimenting and creating new works. One but, of the things that has always been a tenant of Dances of India is to get the Western audience interested and involved in dancing and mm-hmm. understanding Indian dance. So uh, a lot of the productions have elements of both East and West in them. And I, I love a good aesthetic mashup. So when I, when, I, <laughs> when I heard this program would include a blend of, of classical Indian dance, uh-huh. West African dance, a touch of opera, uh-huh. some, my ears perk up. <laughs> So, 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 awesome. uh, so your your specialty is classical Indian dance, uh-huh. but that's an art form that that plays well with others, I guess. It really does. So, um, we have a frequent guest artist. His name is Patrick Suzo. He's a French professor of contemporary dance at Kansas University in Lawrence. So, but he also trained with my mom. He learned Indian dance from my mom, and he studied in India. And last year, he said. He just had this idea. He said, let's do a piece to Claudio Monteverdi's Lamento della Ninfa, the Lament of the Nymph. And, you know, that works so well in Indian dance because in Indian Hindu mythology, they're nymphs who are, they're called apsaras, and these are celestial dancers. Um, and so he and I are going to do this piece together. He'll do a more contemporary feel, but I'll do... I'm going to tell the stories of three different apsaras, three different nymphs in Hindu mythology. These women always fall in love with, you know, earthly men, and then they always get, you know, something happens, they can't be with them, and they get mad and they curse them. So it's, they're, they're fun stories. But yeah, we're going to do this dance together. Hmm. And did you, when you hit on that idea in, in 2006 with the Rhapsody for the Blue Gods, uh-huh. did it occur to you, Tekla, did you see 
hey, there's something we can build on here in terms of in- incorporating other styles. Oh, I, yes, it was very successful. Yeah. I, I, the thing that happens in a good partnership that, like Nartan and I have, is that we spark ideas off of each other. So just sitting in the green room right now, we were talking about a show two years from now. Yeah, we have so. an idea. We actually came up with the idea for a show for yeah. two years from now. Yeah. We, so. we have to wait to hear some details about that. We have to wait a little bit. Okay. <laughs> well, come back when you, when you know. <laughs> oh, thank you. We will. We'll be happy to. And you met, grow, I mean, the 45th anniversary, you grew up in this company. How uh, has the response maybe out in St. Louis uh, evolved over these years to your work? That's so interesting. Because, so my dad, well, he was one of the first, I think, two Indians to actually come to St. Louis. Mm. You know, he was like the first first or second, honestly. So growing up, there were very few Indians here. And and so it was, I learned about my culture really from my parents and our, our dance company. So initially there was interest because India was just so foreign to people here. So, I mean, we always had, um, we had, People from many different backgrounds learn our dance. My mom has taught people from all over the world. Um, so there was just no knowledge. So people were curious as to what is this. So now there's more knowledge of India. and Everyone has seen Bollywood. So, you know, I think many people may think what we do is Bollywood, but it's not at all. The classical art forms very different. And um, as, as uh, Tekla mentioned, I think because when my dad came, because there were so few Indians, he very much wanted to connect to all the St. Louis community. So that's why we're very, um, we're very um, uh, determined to, as far as possible, make our pieces very accessible to all kinds of audiences. And we invite guest artists. We've had St. Louis Ballet in our shows more than once. We've had flamenco companies, Dance Company of St. Charles. And this year it's Afriki Lolo. And that's all the idea being to let's welcome people to this dance forum because everyone can get something from it. So that's so interesting that uh, in working with these other groups, there's the, the creative part of it, which is finding a way to make these two styles blend, but also uh-huh. you're, you're widening the, the sphere of people who are just a part of it and, and interested. Right, right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, uh, the first half of the show this, this weekend is uh, largely, I think, traditional Indian uh-huh. dance and music. Uh-huh. And in the music, there's a variety. We'll, we'll hear some Hindustani classical music from North India and um, Sarkar. Carnatic music perfect, from perfect. southern yes, India. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, put us in the, to put us in the headspace of this performance. Let, let's sure. listen to some music from the show. Th- okay. This is a song that's inspired by Shiva, the deity of dance and transformation. Yes, perfect. Would you talk a bit about Shiva and why that's a, a good inspiration for a dance piece? Oh, absolutely. So this is a piece, actually, I'm dancing with two other dancers. And um, it's 
we love this one. It's very dynamic. And so Shiva um, is like god of the dance. If you've seen that famous statue of him, there's one in, in the St. Louis Art Museum where um, there's a ring of energetic fire behind him. And in his right hand, he holds a drum of creation. In his left hand, the fire of destruction. And um, his dance is the universe. And his other right hand, because he has four hands, his other right hand is in the symbol um, abaya hasta, which means do not fear. And it's beautiful amidst all this chaos in the universe, do not fear. This particular dance is um, it's quite interesting. The verse is written by the villain in the epic, the Ramayana, which is one of the two main Hindu epics. And um, the villain, his name is Ravana, and Ravana means he who roared. And so the idea is um, he was mock mocking Shiva one day, and Shiva was meditating on a mountain. Ravana lifted it up. Um, he just thought, oh, I can lift this up, and he's nothing, you know. And then Shiva, like with his toe, steps on the mountain, and Ravana is holding it, and he's in such pain. So... So he puts the mountain down, and then he realizes, oh, you know, I'm being much too arrogant. And this is this verse he writes is about the power of Shiva and all the different attributes. So it's a very dynamic uh, dance. And this is in the style Bharatanatyam. It's the most prevalent style of classical Indian dance in India. Mm. And so this, there's, as with the music in, in the dance, is there a, a sort of a regimented, there's different subgenres within that have traditions associated with them to some extent? Yes, yeah, exactly. There are many different kinds of dance in India, um, several classical forms and then several folk forms. And actually, India is replete with dance. And um, and so um, our company does Bharatanatyam, but we've also done a bit of Kuchipudi, which is another style from, from South India. And... Um, and South Indian music, because you mentioned the music earlier, uses some different instruments than from North Indian. Many people are familiar with the sitar in North Indian music. In South Indian, they use a veena, which is a stringed instrument. And the drum is different. In North Indian music, they use the tabla. In South Indian music, the mridangam. So there are differences in that, too. Dartana Premanchandra, president of Dances of India St. Louis, and Tekla Mehta, co-director of the troupe and choreographer of the program. Nartana and Tekla, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jeremy. We're delighted to be here. Thanks for having us. Today's episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.